Hello, friends. Welcome to The Bomb Squad, a podcast production of Voices of Monterey Bay. I'm your host, Joe Livernoise, and once again, I am recording from my home office in Monterey. I am sequestered here because mouth-breathing knuckleheads decided that their personal freedom is more important than the health of a nation. So instead of reopening society, like most every civilized country in the world has been able to do, we're all stuck at home, ordering takeout and exhausting the back end of Netflix. My guest this week is Steve McShane, the city councilman from Salinas. McShane is running for the Monterey County Board of Supervisors position that will be vacated when Supervisor Jane Parker retires this year. As you'll hear, he and Wendy Root Askew are on the ballot in November after McShane forced the runoff following the March primary election. I spoke to Wendy Askew a couple of weeks ago, so you should be able to find that interview on our VOM Squad podcast page. But before I get into my conversation with McShane, you might want to know that the folks at Voices of Monterey Bay have been immersed in our annual Young Voices Media Project the past two weeks. We've been doing this journalism boot camp for the last couple of years. This year it's a lot of work, and it's been made all the more complicated by this damn pandemic. But the Youth Media Project is my favorite thing that we do. This summer, we've been working with nine young journalists from the Salinas Valley. They've been writing stories about issues that are important to them. Some of them are in traditional story form. But I also know that at least one of our young journalists who is telling her story via Instagram. The students have also spent a lot of time hearing from experienced journalists. They participated in a discussion with Ricardo Sandoval, who is the public editor for PBS in Washington, D.C., They heard about investigative journalism from Royal Calkins. They heard from Joe Rodriguez, the former editorial writer for the San Jose Mercury News. This year, we were lucky to get substantial help from Charlotte West, one of our writers, and a group of young journalists at Cal Matters, who talked at length about their experiences as college journalists and about alternative forms of storytelling. I don't know about our young reporters, but I know that old journalists like myself learned a lot from their presentations. Also this year, we heard from several civic leaders, including Supervisor Luis Alejo and Seaside City Councilman John Wizard. But this damn pandemic, man, it didn't make things much easier. The group of us spent a couple of hours at the very beginning of the program in physical presence. We introduced ourselves, we talked about our mission and our goals, And then we all retired to our safe homes. The rest of the two weeks have been all Zoom meetings and phone calls. So here's what I learned. I don't want to hear another word from anyone who wants to tell us that teachers have it easy with this distance learning business. Because they don't. This is a real challenge. It's a challenge keeping students engaged. Motivation is a challenge. I so admire what teachers and students are going through right now. Our students are motivated, they are smart, and they are engaged. They're going to make a difference in this world. The Young Voices Media Project has been supported generously by the Claire Giannini Fund, and for them, we thank them. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Steve McShane.
Okay, here we go. And um, so everything good, everything fine. I, uh, so what's your pandemic experience been like? I mean, you're raising a family, you're trying to restart a business. You've been serving on the Salinas City Council with all the responsibilities that that requires and you're running a campaign. So what's that been like? Well, thanks, Joe. Um, I'll start with the family, because uh, that's most important. This, this reboot that I think so many of us have gone through um, has been, been really touching, actually. Um, you know, our daughter's special needs, she was born at Chomp, had a stroke, was rushed to Natividad, and then to UCSF. We spent a month up there. That was one year ago. Uh, and it's a sobering experience, you know, children and family. Um, and she's had incredible care. All of that care went digital. Um, and, and we've been the caregivers. Um, and this last week, she, she showed some really great progress. Uh, both my wife and I, you know, broke down into tears. She, she with, her, with her good hand, was able to grab a spoon and, and take three bites of food. Um, you know, something so simple uh, is, is actually quite a milestone for for an infant that's in the high risk program for the state. Uh, state of California, County Monterey, great services for children with special needs. Um, half the battles, you know, just being there and being engaged. And so with, with kids, at least with our family, because both my wife and I have been working, we have an incredible schedule. Uh, we depend on her parents' um, help, uh, but between us, just making sure that we, we cover those appointments. Um, the outside of family business has been interesting. Um, you know, I mean, I've got my masks and sanitizer and, you know, I may be wearing jeans <laughs> below this jacket. You know, my, my wife always says, uh, and I believe it, you know, dress, dress for the job you want, not the job you have, so to speak. Um, so I've, I've shown the, the role that, that respect, but uh, we were closed for, you know, 50 some odd days. Uh, we had one employee that, had a newborn, um, so helping prop him up, uh, and that that was that was challenging. But uh, with as many people that were looking at their backyards, as uh, soon as we reopened our doors, there was there's been a lot of business for the landscape supply. Um, I own a business in Gonzales uh, that produces liquid organic fertilizer from food waste and fish off Monterey Bay, and one of our employees. He's an outside sales guy, but he tested positive last week. Um, I checked in with him yesterday, as a matter of fact, and he's doing okay. His sister brought over groceries. Um, you know, it's been mild so far, um, but, you know, he's on home quarantine, isolation. Uh, and then, of course, city stuff, Joe, has just been pretty nonstop. I mean, we may cover the loss of the, the mayor. Um, I sit on a lot of boards for the city, and... City business continues, you know, via Zoom and virtually. Um, City of Salinas still has, you know, a lot of challenges, even in the pandemic. Um, I mean, I, I can elaborate on any of those that you like, but, uh, you know, the, the calls for service have really been up. Uh, they've been up ever since Trump was elected, quite frankly. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a 411 number. <laughs> My cell, which I'll give out here, and any of your listeners and viewers are welcome to reach out to me anytime, 970. 4141 uh, I've done a lot of counseling over the phone um, and people that are home are keeping a closer eye on those trees, those potholes, those curbs, um, you know, not to mention, uh, you know, their, their government, whether it be federal, 
state or local. Um, so business is up in that category. That's, yeah. the, that's the pandemic for you. Yeah. Well, I know that um, losing Joe Gunter was a real loss. I know that you were pretty close to him personally. Um, uh, but so what does that mean to the city? I mean, the, a loss like that. And, you know, what happens next? Uh, who's running this show? You know, for anybody that looked closely um, at his loss on social media or even, you know, just via a mask talking to people, uh, even his greatest adversaries really paid him props. Um, I won't name any of them, but you know, your listeners I'm sure are well aware. And the reason why is because he showed up and he worked really hard. Yeah. You know, Mayor and Salinas is a part-time gig. Ana Caballero gave it, you know, Fridays. Dennis Donahue, you know, gave it several days, but was also working. Joe was a full-time mayor um, and nobody could could turn their back on the fact that he was at every last thing and, and showed up and his style was very unique. I, I remember visiting with Clyde, uh, you know, recently, I mean, I don't know, before the pandemic, we were having a cup of coffee and, uh, you know, as mayor of Monterey, he's a former grade school teacher and his, his meetings were very different. You know, mayor Gunter would say things like take a seat. You know, and I think that's enough. Um, you know, just really got to the, to the point. Um, and so, there's definitely a void there. And, uh, you know, I've always said this about business, about community, you know, mankind, womankind, you know, we were here today. Uh, we may not be here tomorrow and the show will go on. Um, but definitely, definitely challenging. You know, he and I ran against each other when I first ran for city council, uh, and things weren't always rosy. Um, you know, we've disagreed on a lot of things. I mean, as recent as our last council meeting, uh, you know, he, he had an alternative motion to give up a, an EMS piece of equipment that our fire department has. And, um, you know, I blocked that. Um, but as soon as the game was over, you know, we left it on the field. We, uh, we always, we always got along because, you know, we saw the greater good and, and really wanted the best for the community. Yeah. You always got the sense with him that, regardless of your politics or wherever you stand, you can disagree, but then he, he seemed to like people, genuinely like people. And, and, you know, he was able to sort of shed the, the hard feelings. I mean, I've gone around, I went around and around with him all the time. And yeah. we're, I still kind of consider him a pal, you know, it's funny. You know, Joe, um, yeah, I keep coming back to you. You can't judge a book by its cover, yeah. you know, dig deeper, get through a few chapters. Um, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to nominate him for a veterans award and, and he was selected and I had the chance to present it to him. And I did some research, uh, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, reporter style or not, you know, I did everything I could to catch every angle of who he was and, and where he came from. And uh, what captured me was his family and his roots in Marina and how his mother spent far more hours outside of her job working at an elementary school cafeteria volunteering in the community. And uh, that apple just didn't fall far from the tree. I mean, yeah. Joe was a public servant 50 years, but outside of that, he gave another 50 years, it seems, to every, every community activity, just showing up and volunteering. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it kind of segues into 
you now. I mean, so tell tell me a little about yourself. Um, you know, I I familiar familiar with you up and to the point uh, that you were got very active in city politics, but I didn't really know you before that. So tell me, who are you? Are you a native of Monterey County or Salinas? And did you yeah, attend local sure. schools and? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, you bet. And oftentimes I'll get that, right? Somebody will say, oh, well, I think my son went to middle school with you or, you know, these sorts of things. Um, my move to Monterey County came after college and it was very deliberate. Uh, you know, I would drive to Cal Poly uh, up and down the Salinas Valley, uh, oftentimes, say, taking the PCH and just think to myself, man, if I could ever live here and work here, it'd be a dream come true. Um, you know, I grew up in Cupertino. Both my parents were self-employed entrepreneurs. Um, you know, they, they struggled. I helped in the family business. Um, you know, my mom actually, she did travel. Uh, she did uh, meeting planning. Uh, she did some marketing. My dad was in electronics before he started actually working for my mom. <laughs> uh, my mom was an incredible role model for me, Joe. Um, I, I owe her a lot. Um, you know, she came across the Atlantic on a steamship, landed in Louisiana as a displaced person out of World War II. Uh, we recently went back to the homeland in Latvia. Uh, there's a whole story to that. Latvians choosing to ally with the Nazis as opposed to the Russians because of the Russians' history, terrible right. history with the Baltic states. Right. And uh, so her father knew that was no good. and literally got his four kids and his wife out of the country before the bridges were bombed and ultimately the Russians overtook the country and World War II ended. Um, my mom was then in Germany, uh, attended her first couple of years of elementary school there before ultimately the Lutheran Church was what made passage to Oklahoma of all places possible. Uh, you know, she always prided herself on this country and the opportunities that it allowed her. Um, and I think I got a lot of my pride. I'm, I'm flying a few flags out front right now. Um, you know, today and in this day and age where a lot of people are not so proud of our country, it's a mixed bag, uh, but we have to remember the good and see the good, not the bad. Uh, I'm one of those guys. I'm optimistic, positive, energetic. Uh, but growing up in that in Cupertino, it was my grandmother, uh, the one that came from Latvia, that, that taught me a love for gardening. At a very young age, like four, five, six, I would spend time with, time with her uh, in her garden, and she, um, she really inspired me. And I, at a very early age, I was planting you know, food, fruits, vegetables in my parents' yard, and I wanted to, wanted to go that direction. And uh, soil science was what captured my interest uh, at Cal Poly. So that's where I headed after high school, attended Cal Poly, and, and then landed here. Um, I did work for Bruce McPherson for a time. The ironic thing was I was student body president at Cal Poly. I got involved in student government, and I, I think that's kind of where an interest um, in politics began. Uh, my parents were not political. I would say my greatest political role model was actually my best friend's dad. He was mayor of my hometown, Wally Dean, in Cupertino, California. and. Uh, my mom was uh, a Republican. My dad was a Democrat, you know, and, but, but I don't even know if they, they really talked politics at all. Um, in fact, I remember 
when I graduated Cal Poly, I had a job offer to work uh, up in Salinas um, in the produce business. And when I told my parents that I was going to accept a, a post in the Senate Fellows Program in Sacramento, they, uh, they were upset. They said, this is, are you kidding me? You know, you're never going to make any money. You're never going to make a difference. I mean, it really turned bad, but I, I pursued it anyways. And um, I interviewed with every office you could imagine, whether it was Ray Haynes or Hilda Solis. I mean, I, I didn't have much of a political background, and uh, I found that Bruce McPherson was the one that was in the middle. Um, he was a guy that was looked to because he saw all sides of an issue, and, and I really learned a lot from him. I mean, to this day, he's a mentor. We serve on a couple of boards together including AMBAG and Monterey Bay Community Power, which we co-founded together with Jane Parker and others. Um, so after getting set up there, I, uh, I took a post in Salinas uh, in his district office and continued an MBA in agribusiness uh, at Santa Clara and uh, got involved. I mean, I, honestly, when I landed in Salinas, I didn't know a soul. I joined Rotary, Meals on Wheels, got active in uh, Habitat for Humanity, uh, the JCs. You know, I went on to found, uh, you know, some of the different young professionals groups and just got super involved. Uh, I found that, gosh, there's a ton of need in the region. Um, and, uh, you know, after, you know, actually I, I had a, a woman of, uh, that was on city council named Jan Collins. She yep. approached me and she said, you know, Steve, uh, you should consider running for, for, for office. You would be really good. We had a lot of conversations about that. And again, my parents thought it was crazy. They said, you know, you, you don't, you don't want that life. Uh, so I really had to be thoughtful about it. And uh, I decided to go for it and I got elected to the Hartnell college board. Um, and that was a tough time. We had a very controversial president that in the end uh, I favored ousting uh, for a number of reasons. Um, and uh you know, I went through some personal challenges uh, at the end of that term. Um, I actually went through a divorce and I you know, moved back into Salinas after um, living out of town. And, you know, I lived in a garage for a while. I mean, it was a really tough point uh, in my life. And, uh, you know, at that point in time, I uh, was approached by other people that I knew in the community. I mean, I was always involved that, that said, hey, you know, dust yourself up, stay involved. I ran for re-election to the board, but in a different district, and I actually lost um, for Hartnell College Board. Um, and, it, you know, it was, uh, you know, another experience of, of loss. I mean, I had lost for student government in the past. I mean, anybody that, that has a smile on their face, you know that they have to have been somewhere where it may not have been as bright a day. And as I always say, are you living for the dot or are you living for the line, you know? And in this case, uh, the line prevailed. And, uh, I was then asked by another council member in Salinas to, to be on the planning commission. And I'm trying to remember, I think, I think I was on the traffic and transportation commission and then the planning commission. And that led to the design review board. And then I got more involved in city of Salinas politics. Um, you know, up until then it had always been community or the Hartnell board. Um, and I began to see that there was plenty of work to do. Uh, at the time we were, we were experiencing record homicides. Uh, local government was going through the Great Recession. We were laying people off left and right. Um, our planning and building and permitting department had was still stuck on utilizing technology from the 80s. So 
um, some of the archaic processes to even get a permit to change out a water heater were really difficult. Um, so safety, infrastructure, um, you know, accessibility of government, those sorts of things kind of prompted me to run in 2010 for city council. And I ran against Joe Gunter, Janet Barnes, and Joel Panzer, uh, all of which support me for supervisor, ironically, uh, which, is, which is great. Um, you know, been supportive, it's been great. And I take that back. Janet Barnes has been supportive, but I don't know if I have her formal endorsement. So let me make okay. sure that that's clear. But great friendships there. We've worked together on a number of things. You know, I'll flag Janet because we've worked on some international stuff. I've, I've established two sister cities as a council member, and she's always right. been helpful there. Uh, but back on the ranch, uh, so city council, and uh, you know, I mean, I could elaborate on, on some of that stuff, but uh, you know, just as a small business owner that's seen about everything, I mean, you open a, a small business and run a garden center, and if it's not drought or you know, a, a dramatic loss in housing values, uh, it's it's a pandemic. Pandemic, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little bit of background for you. Well, so I did you, I, you mentioned you're sort of ambivalent about uh, politics up until the point that you started getting involved in student government and then you, and then you were able, able to get a job uh, with uh, Senator, Senator McPherson at the time, right? He's, he's a yeah. county supervisor now, I believe. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah. Um, so, so is, is that what sort of informed your political persuasion? I, I know that for a while, there you were identified as Republican and you sort of backed away from that. Is that, is that true? Or I mean, how, how yeah. does that all work? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so no doubt that Bruce McPherson's been my, my greatest influence. Um, yeah, that was my first experience. And, you know, he was, he was hated and loved, yeah. you know what I mean? Because anybody that's brave enough to, to, really be in the middle and, and evaluate all sides of an issue in a way that he did. I mean, and, I, and I, trust me, I spent a lot of time with him, uh, a lot of time in the car. Um, I would go out of my way to just learn from him. And, you know, he would always go back to his days as a local reporter for the Santa Cruz Sentinel, you know, how it just was, it was always short-sighted to not look at all sides of an issue. Even if you knew in your heart or if you saw, you know, give the other party a chance to to represent themselves. I mean, there's, there's a truth and justice component to reporting. Uh, and I know, you know, as a reporter that's classically trained, I mean, you know that. Um, and, and, you know, I worry because, you know, the way that media has gone, um, there may not be that unbudsmanship, you know, right. component. Um, but back to, back to McPherson, yeah. And, and so coming out of that, um, yeah, I was a registered Republican and, you know, found that over time, um, as we've seen, and I think you'd agree, uh, the Republican Party has moved away from what I think uh, represents more common people, working people in the region and in the state. I mean, that, there's a reason why there's been a decline in uh, registration. I think the Democratic Party's done a far better job to cast a wider net. Um, over my time on the city council and in elected office, I've had a number of um, Democrats, you know, approach me and say, hey, you know, I see what you're doing. I see your policy. Um, I see where your heart is, uh, certainly, uh, you know, in the context of city council and such. And so, you know, there, there was always an invitation. And I think when Trump uh, started campaigning, that's, that's where I began to really 
evaluate. And I think like so many people, Joe, and I don't know what your experience was during that election cycle in 2016, but a lot of people just turned off the, the TV or the radio. And that's what I did. Um, I left the Republican Party. I, I kept getting all these questions as a council member about national issues. And uh, it was extremely difficult. It was, um, it was a distraction. You know, I, I had to remind people that in local government, it's roads, it's safety, it's parks, after school programs. It's not the Panama Canal or trade relations with China. Um, now, not that I won't take that call and give them the number for Congressman Panetta or Congressman Farr at that time. Um, but if, you know, at the end of the day, staying in my lane as a local elected official, I would just was not happy. And then I announced for supervisor. And when you, when you make that jump, not only do you open yourself up more than ever, more than I could have ever imagined, you get every question under the sun. I mean, the questionnaires, the forums and everything else. And early on, I got a lot of questions about my beliefs and I had to really know what I stand for. You know, I, I don't support the Calam desal project. I don't support fracking in Monterey County. You know, I, I want to do everything I can to make sure there is peace, equality, you know, restorative justice, social justice, uh, racial training and sensitivity in our policing, like all of these sorts of things, you know, and, and yeah, it, you know, just over a year ago, I re-registered as a Democrat and I knew I was going to get spears thrown at me by someone. If no, if no one else, you know, maybe my opponent or somebody else out there um, supporting you know, my opponent or one of my opponents at the time. But at the end of the day, it goes back to the dot or the line. I mean, I'm going to live in this community a long time. I love it. I want the best for it. And just in the same light that Joe Gunter has been recognized, you know, look at my, my actions, right? Look at where I've spent my time um, and, and, and make that, that educated choice. That doesn't always go that way. Um, I know that a lot of people base their, their decisions in life on far less information, but uh, you know, um, that, 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 that's kind of how I would explain it. Well, and it, it is a nonpartisan position, you know, just yeah. as the city council is, but in, it, this is Monterey County and partisanship does sort of rear its head wherever you go. And, um, and, and it's not like you, you haven't, it's not like you've lost the support of some of your more ardent supporters over the years, and you still have, you were able to generate a lot of fundraising uh, in, in the early part of this um, campaign. I guess we should explain here that um, there was a four-person uh, race for the fourth district supervisor, and um, you by far, I think, spent or collected or generated the most support in terms of financial help, um, and you, you placed second which forced the runoff in, in November. Uh, right. Do you expect to get that same sort of uh, support uh, in November, uh, considering how things kind of played out in the primary? Sure. Um, so I think it's first and foremost important to just address like the money behind this. Oh my gosh, it's extraordinary. You know, how far and wide, you know, you have to work. Um, it's almost like a full-time job, quite frankly. Uh, time in the schedule, like right now, you put a jacket on, you, you, you put the time in and show up. Uh, and fortunately, we've had a really good set of candidates uh, running. I mean, I, we would text each other, I'd send photos. There was a forum we had at, in Seaside, and I looked at them all and I said, we've got to remember this. Like, 
remember it as if you'd remember just a great experience. I mean, some people say, oh, I'd never want to go through high school again. Some people say, God, it was just a, a real great experience. I hope I can say that about life. Um, in the same spirit, when I started running, I ran scared. Uh, you know, I'm still scared, right? I mean, it, it's, it's a campaign. Um, you know, it's a real test of personal fortitude and, you know, wellness alongside, you know, getting your message out and everything else. And I haven't sat around for the 21 years that I've been in this community. I mean, I have volunteered and helped and raised money for so many causes. So, you know, what you do when you run for office is you, you cast that net as far as you can and ask everybody you possibly can to support you. And, um, you know, I, I did really well. Uh, would I say I do it the same? No. <laughs> I mean, I spun my wheels again a lot. I'll tell you, Joe, looking back on the primary, and, and this would be great when this race is over to just talk about local politics and campaigning. It'd be a good conversation. Uh, but looking back on the primary, we had 27 coffees. 27. I think the, the attendance was at least 10 people, and one of the coffees drew like 70. I'll never forget walking into Mountain Mike's Pizza in Marina, and there just was a horde of people there. Uh, and you had every question under the sun. Back to the trade relations with China and, you know, all that national stuff. Um, but people that cared. Um, so, so, you know, I want people to know, and certainly your viewers to know, when you dig deeper, you realize that, you know, I think we're up to like 1,600 contributions. You know, a lot of those small checks, neighbors that care, supporters. Um, you know, I oftentimes lean on a story from when I was in college. Uh, when I was third year at Cal Poly, I had friends that said, you know, Steve, you should consider running for student body president. And, you know, some of your listeners, some of your viewers may have heard this story, but because I really, I, I think it's, it's been a source of inspiration. But uh, my campaign manager was out of town and forgot to turn in my paperwork uh, to to get me on the ballot for student government. And as a result, I had to decide when it was confirmed that I would not be on the ballot if I was gonna run as a write-in candidate or not. And I did. Um, and I, I was running against the president of the largest fraternity on campus. I was running against the vice president, a nice guy, Dwayne Banderoff, like a real nice guy, it was his. I mean, the, the student body president had handed it to him and said, Dwayne, here you go, there's a bow tie around it, it's all yours. And uh, not being on the ballot, you know, you bet, like, take it. Um, but you know what? I, I went for it and I gave it my all. Um, I learned a lot. Uh, it was a tremendous experience. And uh, I beat him two to one. Wow. Now, the astonishing thing, Joe, was that we increased voter turnout threefold. <laughs> Uh, and the following year, we had a line a mile long of people that wanted to get involved in student government. Um, so this is an interesting crossroads right now because there's a lot of people that want to get involved. I mean, look at the Black Lives Matter movement. Look at, you know, the whole issue surrounding the pandemic and what's being done right, and what's been doing, what's been done wrong. Uh, you know, the impact of personal income or, you know, other just freedoms that we're used to. Um, and, and the cool thing about this campaign for all the candidates, and I know this because I've confirmed it with them, is it surfaced a lot of energy. And if there's one thing I've learned 20 years, gosh, 20 years that I've been involved, but 15 years in elected office almost here, it's, it's the more people involved, whether, whether you agree or don't agree, 
And it's even better if you don't agree, the stronger government. Governments of the people, you know? Uh, I'm going off on a tangent here, but there's a guy named Steve Kajiyama that I met at a conference several years ago. I actually arranged, he came to Salinas. He wrote a book called For the Love of Cities. And he, he really elaborated on this idea that the more people that we have engaged in our local government that really care. I mean, even if they're conceived to be crazy or, you know, I'll be there on the dais and you'll hear under somebody's breath going, oh God, here they come again. They're critical. He makes the point that the more of those you can cultivate, the stronger your city and he swore by it. And I, I really believe that, um, you know, the more people we can get involved, the better. And, and there's a lot of people, again, that have come out of the Black Lives Matter movement that are in that, in that position. A, a great supporter, Nate Sawyer from Marina. Um, he's a good friend. He just he endorsed me on his Facebook with his wife. Um, he's a great example. He may not have been involved if it weren't for the pandemic uh, and some of, some of the president's policies. Um, you know, there's something remarkable about that. Sure. Well, getting sort of more focused on the on the campaign in the fourth district, um, you you knew what you were getting yourself into because that's a that's a very a difficult district for a, a person from Salinas to win because so many of the votes are on the peninsula side, I think. Um, and uh, but you've been around, you've got you know name recognition. You, you're on the uh, Salinas City Council. Um, what so? Do you think that, uh, as even as it is, I mean, there's there's a disparity in the in the numbers of votes in that fourth district towards the peninsula. Uh, do you think that the peninsula is is uh, adequately represented now? Uh, because I think there's a lot of talk, particularly on you know, on the peninsula, that the disparity sort of favors the Salinas Valley. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with the with the population and whatnot. But uh, so how, how do you straddle that line? You know, ask anybody in Seaside or in Salinas, for that matter, about the weather. And I swear you'll get 10 answers. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say the same thing about this, this issue. Um, you know, the reality of it is whether you're Jimmy Panetta, Steve McShane, or, or somebody else, um, you know, a district and, and, a, and a, an important representative, a representative knows that it can't all be about one part of your district. I mean, I, I have years of experience as it relates to Salinas. Uh, trust me, there's, there's a lot of pieces to my district. My district has nearly 30,000 residents in it. And, you know, they're all tugging, whether it's near Central Park or Monterey Park or Maple Park. You know, there's these neighborhoods that would want that attention. And it's, it's an important responsibility to represent the entire district and more importantly to represent the entire city you know one of my supporters council member tony barrera you know again and again he'd say mcshane is is one of the few that always considers the city and with some of the experience i've had for the region i sit on the marine sanctuary board vice chair of uh, monterey bay community power i chair the air district board i chair the uh, Association of Monterey Bay Area Governments. I mean, I'm not here to rattle off my resume, but I'm here to, to cite some experiences where it's not about one place. It's about, you know, the, the whole. And, and my 
my style and my leadership as a council member has really underscored that. And I think, I think that's what voters will see as a supervisor. Um, you know, it, the, the more we perpetuate walls and mine and yours, the weaker we are. Um, we're one county, it's one district. Um, I'm a member of the Seaside Rotary. I sit on the board for Community Human Services. We're opening a shelter in Seaside. Like, I'm spending the time. Like, if I didn't give the time or didn't show up to the meetings for those other parts of, say, the region, that may not matter. You know, this week I'm attending a Marine Sanctuary Board where we're going to consider offshore wind generation three, four hundred miles away. <laughs> um, but I'm going to be there and I'll be well read and I'll, I'll be ready to represent. So, you know, I, I think that's it's short sighted. And, and as too often, it's 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 the cover. It's not the book. Um, you know, th that could be our downfall, um, you know. Yeah. So the um, I know that uh, you know you in in as a representative in Salinas and and uh, the entire city council for that matter like cities and um, counties across the country have been being asked to review your budgets uh, in light of the um, George Floyd death and and the pattern of um, you know alleged police brutality across the United States. Um, and being asked to either def defund or reallocate resources from uh, law enforcement to other needs. And I know this issue has come up in Salinas. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts on the defund movement, both in Salinas and how it might apply to all of Monterey County? I guess uh, the question is, is there room for ex uh, expanded crisis intervention type services in the region? Because at the moment, it seems like police spend a lot of their time doing a whole bunch of social service work when they could be out there fighting crime. And, and it seems like there is, there's room for both. I mean, there's, there's, there's room for um, uh, allocation of resources towards, you know, good police work and for the social service work that they're doing now, uh, but having it being done by, you know, professionals who are trained in social service work. So I, that's, I'm throwing that out. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Joe. It's not a or, it's an and. Um, you know, and too many people are hijacking this and setting it up as an or. I mean, there were people that were downright vigilant about, you know, you've got to cut 25% of your budget allocated for police, like tomorrow. I mean, I, I mean, and I'm not saying this was just a one or two. and and. Certainly in this most recent budget cycle, uh, there were a lot of emails that came in. Um, some calls, some texts, a lot of emails. Now, a lot of the emails were from out of the area. I think there was a national effort. I mean, as I drilled down, there was people in states, you know, thousand miles away, voicing their opinion to a council member. I mean, it was impressive how software is starting to play a role in advocacy nationally, all the way at the local level. It's, um, I, I still haven't quite figured it out, but regardless, um, you know, I have to think of a, a young lady I spoke to in Seaside, because Seaside's really been the epicenter of, of some of this movement. Um, I really believe that. You know, and she's from Salt Lake City, and she was talking about a recent incident where officers, you know, went after a perpetrator, and you know, you're familiar with the story. It was in major media. You know, 52 shots. That, that's excessive. Um, you know, I think law enforcement is learning. Uh, you know, we'll learn and we expect that. Um, you know, you can't 
you can't base today's decision making, uh, you know, in complete concert with decision making a hundred years ago or even thirty years ago. Um, you know, we've got to we've got to be current and we've got to continue to move forward. Um, so I'm a supporter of you know restorative justice. Um, certainly, governing for racial equity. Some of the racial equity training that's occurred in our department. Uh, we have a chief that's uh, you know a bit controversial, and I've spent a lot of time with her, and I support her in Adele Frisay. You know, she's really pushed for community policing, deeper relationships, that accessibility. Um, you know, th those sorts of principles have led to other beneficial changes in the city of Salinas, including more female officers. Uh, we now have a majority minority department. That wasn't the case when I started city council. More bilingual, biculturally trained officers. Uh, these sorts of things really have helped. Um, you know, as, as I'm sure you've seen the stats, we've seen a consistent five-year drop in homicides. We were up north of 40, and now we're, we're you know, under 10. Um, you know, Salinas just isn't going through what it used to. And I, I, I take pride in being a part of that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll cite another important point that you raised there, and that is the importance for mental, uh, mental wellness, mental health. Um, you know, I've spent, I was with an officer in Seaside just recently, and we talked about how half of the calls for service that he goes on have some direct tie to mental wellness. Uh, and, and we talked about how wouldn't it be ingenious if on every, every shift there was a mental health trained professional that could be turned over to for intervention. Because you play it out, someone that's traumatized by mental health that gets called for a 5150 or, you know, is all of a sudden put into the system, man, their stuff is pulled apart. They, they, maybe they lose their place of residence. You pile onto that all of the costs and the impact of family members if they were employed, you know, jobs, you know, those sorts of things. So we definitely have room to go there. And when people say, well, that's not the supervisor's role, I'd say, you know, doggone it. Yeah, it is. Like mental wellness and mental health is. And, you know, I serve on this board, Community Human Services, and I'm not just sitting around. Uh, we, we address homelessness, mental wellness, and addiction. I mean, this, this is a 50-year-old organization founded in 1969 by parents that didn't know what to do with kids that had been picking up drugs from up in San Francisco. Um, and the regions benefited from it. Uh, you know, we've got tremendous programming in all of District 4. In fact, District 4 is kind of the epicenter of all the programming. Um, so, you know, it's an area that I'm, I'm committed to. And again, I would go back to it's not, a, it's not an or, you know, you defund 25%. Or you don't. It's it's an and statement. Um, you know, we can we can do more, and we will. Well, and it does seem like the signing the figure twenty five percent. Maybe that won't work, but there may be part of a police budget that might be able to transfer into uh, some sort of uh, crisis team like this. I think, and especially since I I believe that so much of the police overtime budget could be reduced if they weren't spending so much time doing the sort of social work uh, that, you know, that they're being required to do um, just because there's no one else out there to do it. So, you know, it, it could work. Look at, the, um, look at the methodology. It's like if I showed up at your doorstep and, and condemned you for mistreatment of a hydrangea in your backyard, 
it'd be different than if I showed up and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm with the garden service. And, uh, yeah, I just would love to offer some tips and maybe some help on how your garden could better perform. You know, I've learned that over the years. Trust me, people come into my, my space and they want to get after those aphids with the most toxic and lethal pesticide possible. And usually I have to talk them down off the ledge and, you know, explain that there's other uh, more environmentally friendly or less toxic ways to go about it. Um, and that, that's half the battle. You know, when you look at my campaign for county supervisor, people can't really figure it out. They say, well, wait, Steve's got the Teamsters and the UFW, but he's also got the Peninsula Chamber of Commerce and, you know, the hospitality or the deputy sheriffs. Yeah, I do. It's not because I paid somebody off. It's because I pick up the phone and I treat every single constituent with the same respect, regardless of who they are or where they work or what their issue is. Uh, it's, it's about being helpful and problem solving. It's the best part of my job in landscaping. People come in, they have manageable projects. They may have a weed issue. They may have something that, you know, they're, they're troubled by with a neighbor or a noisy road nearby. Like, man, I, let me help you. Like, let me, and I do the same thing in government. Check my references, right? That's what I tell people. Like, he's not a bad guy, you know? It's not like a power grab or, I wish it was so sexy, you know? And some of the headlines and, I mean, you know, some of the, the, the storylines are like, oh, you know, tune in next week, you know? Um, 90% of, of what we do is just help people and don't look for credit, you know? Well, I can't help but notice that you threw in a gardening metaphor there. And you might, you might be right about the hydrangeas. Uh, <laughs> I think extreme measures must be taken whenever there's a gopher in on the prowl. So I'm just saying that. A couple more things and we'll let you go because we're kind of running late here. But um, you, you mentioned earlier about your opposed to the Calam water uh, uh, solution. Uh, what do you favor? And uh, how, how, has your sort of opinion evolved about water uh, on, you know, because obviously this is a huge issue on the Monterey Peninsula. Yeah. And it's a, it's sure. a big one. And, and this is another one of those issues. I believe that um, the, the, um, the agenda is being pushed by Salinas Valley and, and it, it just doesn't seem fair to the peninsula. Yeah. So a few things. Um, so I, I've said that I do not favor or support the Calam desal project. And that statement alone has some folks that support me really pissed off. Uh, they, they feel very differently. Um, and I would say it's both the peninsula and it's the Salinas Valley. Um, you know, one of my supporters, Ron Weitzman, has led an effort to, to not support the desal for quite some time and has deep roots in this issue. And, you know, he sees my leadership as what's just needed to try to get all these people in the same room. Um, because, you know, the challenge is you can't even get some of them to talk. I mean, look at some of the lawsuits that are taking place. I wouldn't call them frivolous, but I would say they're evidence of a lack of communication or just trust. And, you know, it, the, the curtain is part of that. Um, you know, it's not about Salinas Valley buying a vote. It's not about, you know, them feeling that, that, you know, this is all, this is all wrong on the part of person A or person B. It's just, we need somebody that can get everybody in the same room and, and start from square zero. And I have to credit Gary Peterson. I, I sit on the Groundwater Sustainability Agency for the Salinas Valley, and it's forced a lot of people that have strong opinions on water to actually talk 
as one. And there's been numerous invitations and plenty of media about this to Marina, to the coast, to better collaborate, um, you know, to the, to the extent that the agency has spent a lot of money outside of its lane to just take care of the water in the Salinas Valley, it's, it's just not been returned well. Um, so there's some work to do. And to Gary Peterson's credit, uh, you know, he set up a working group that uh, I will be a part of that includes representatives of the peninsula, the environmental community, Marina, Marina Coast, the Salinas Valley. It's gonna take a long time. And what's a long time? Not decades, but I would say 12 to 18 months to begin to better understand what saltwater intrusion is, how it can be managed, what are the opportunities for water recovery. You know, you saw it with the mayor. Um, you know, there was ads in the primary because I, I can and do take credit for brokering a water recycling effort that came from wash water from one of the, from one of the food processing plants that I used to work at. Like, you know, I knew the foreman, I knew the people involved, some of the engineers that, you know, that worked collaboratively with the city to think regionally. And, and we inked a deal to send water, wastewater, wash water to the peninsula to be treated and injected into Seaside. And ultimately, you know the rest of the story, Joe, but boy, you know, because of such a divisive environment and name calling and everything else, you know, the mayor and, and Gloria De La Rosa, who, you know, I respectfully disagreed with on this issue, you know, kept pressing and they kept, you know, pressing harder and harder to the point where, you know, all bets are off for a, an expansion. So, you know, what we need right now is not someone of the same mentality or the same solution. We need somebody that can come in with a different and fresh perspective to, to get people in the same room. Uh, and I've done that enough times. I mean, that that's where that UFW support has come from. That's where the Teamsters support has come from, you know, a willingness to pick up the phone, take a call, get people together, and let's get to work. Let's make something happen, um, you know. So, you know, what happens next? What's the long-term solution? I think there's a few things that could be said. I don't think Cal-Am's project's gonna move forward. Um, I think Marina definitely needs to be taken into consideration, you know, and some would say a thing or two about their leadership or the city manager, we'll get past that, um, you know? And, and the Groundwater Sustainability Agency for the Salinas Valley, I think can and will play a leadership role. Um, and we all know it, it's extremely expensive to harvest desalinized water, very expensive. Recycled water is much less expensive. And of course, you could, you could pump water, you know, for $70 an acre foot. So it's, it's really, really inexpensive when you rely on groundwater. So the best thing is to think of it as a system and to treat it wholly that way. Uh, and I'm ready, you know, I mean, I, I'm excited by this. Uh, I'm not going to give up and uh, you know, I'm going to go at it with a spirit of we'll get there, you know, not what's wrong, but what's right. Yeah. We could talk about the, the, the water issue quite a bit. Cause I mean, I guess the, um, the, the, you know, the question about the Salinas Valley groundwater group is, I understand where you're coming from there, but I think there's still a lot of uh, suspicion about what their motiva uh, motivations are. And from from this from the Monterey Peninsula side of, of the of the play, but you know, that's like I say, that's a that's a conversation for an, another time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, I'd love to expand on it. Yeah, the um, but my view, I want to make it clear. My view has been very consistent. Um, I've had letters on record. You know, I studied soil science. I, there were classes in hydrology. 
you know, there's a number of things at play here, Joe, um, yeah. not just cost and pocketbooks. And, and that's, you know, Ron Wiseman would make that point quickly because it is a cost thing. I mean, I yeah. talking to voters in the primary in Delray Oaks, uh, you know, in a condominium that we're paying north of $200 a month in water, like, yeah. you know, that's a problem. Okay. But even beyond that, again, a resource that sees, you know, basically toxic uh, levels of salt enter the aquifer. I mean, that, that resource is gone. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, it's, you got to do it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So the, um, trust me, I know I'm, I'm paying those water bills right, right now myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, well, there's um, what, so what's it going to take uh, for you? You think, I mean, uh, the, the, the campaign was going to be tough to begin with. And then you throw a pandemic out there where you're unable to sort of do the, the, you know, the, door-to-door -door campaigning that is very effective in, in Monterey County and generating that kind of support um, for yourself. And, and it doesn't look like that pandemic thing is going to end anytime soon. So um, what do you think it's going to take? I mean, how do you sort of close that gap with Wendy in the November election? I want to start by saying it's been a pleasurable experience. Uh, it really has. I mean, I, I hate to say that. And I know people want blood and, you know, this is ugly. Um, you know, Wendy's a delightful person. We've gotten along well. Um, we really have. We were both recently at an event at Marina City Hall. Um, you know, we both are going through, you know, young families that, that yeah. you know, are going a little crazy with COVID. You know, this last week, the Democratic Party had a training that my campaign manager attended to. You know, we, we've watched uh, as to how do you creatively get voters excited? Um, you know, I think some of that is going to have to result to a phone or you know, some of it's going to have to result to uh, more personalized messages. It's going to have to take um, some creativity. You know, I, I know the Democratic Party was recommending decorating cars and driving around the blocks of people's <laughs> houses and honking horns. Um, you know, these, are, these are challenging times. Um, they really are. And, and all I can say is, you know, I'm going to just do my best. And, uh, you know, I just hope people can get to know me as a person, as a family man. Um, and when this is all over, you know, whoever wins or whoever loses, you know, be able to, to see each other at English Ales in Marina or, you know, run into one another at the Starbucks on South Main or, you know, at, uh, you know, grocery outlet in Seaside and, and be cool, you know. Um, you know, no need to trash the community. You know, there's just so many people that will pick at what's wrong. You know, it's almost like we're, we're more trained in that than certainly my grandmother was. You know, she went through a lot. Uh, I have to reflect on her, you know. She's a prime example. You know, she was born right around 1900, uh, you know. And, and there's, this, there's this post that I put up on Marina Community. I shared it in Salinas uh, and in Seaside about someone born 1900. You know, having lived through the Spanish flu, World War One, World War II, the Great Depression, the Korean War, and then passing just after the Vietnam War started. You know what I mean? Like, talk about perspective, Joe. Uh, we've got it pretty easy. You can order a pizza and it'll be there within 20 minutes, you know? Right. Gosh. Yeah. My, my grandmother was born in 1900, too. It was, and I just, I, the, the thing that I, I really uh, regret is I didn't ask her 
more about growing up in that period because of the hardships and the, the you know, what these people were, this is before cars were invented. <laughs> and that's not that far, I mean, that's not that long ago, really, when you think about it. Yeah. It's only two generations away. Well, and here's another thing I'll say, and this is important. I think people that, that see the positive and, and can have fun along the way are, they're going to live longer. The result's going to be better. You know, I, I remember in the primary, you know, proposing that we had a campaign event at the Urban Wine Row in Marina. And Don's like, yeah. And I brought life-size Jenga, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I'll never forget reflecting on going to the Pebble Beach Food and Wine Festival. I was able to score a ticket so extraordinarily expensive. And it was about 10 years ago. And uh, I came back and I turned to my friend Katie that I knew through the Monterey County Young Professionals. And I said, Katie, let me tell you about this experience. I said, let's do this in Salinas. And she's like, you'll never pull it off. People will never come. And Joe, I'm, I'm living proof that 10 years later, we still have the Salinas Valley Food and Wine Festival. Right. Uh, tremendously expensive, uh, expensive, tremendously successful. Um, you know, any great achievement started with one man or woman that came up with a great idea. You know, I mean, we need to cultivate more of that. More people are guilty of not thinking big enough. You know what I mean? We think too small. And in today's day and age, it's like we are confined by more boundaries than ever. You know, we've got everything we could possibly dream of. This county can be here for perpetuity and this county can do better. Uh, I, I know it can, and I, I wouldn't be running if I didn't feel that way. Very good, Steve. Thank you so much. I know that it, it took us a while to get together here because uh, we've both been pretty busy, and uh, I was able to squeeze you in uh, last week and this week. We're doing Voices of Monterey Bay is doing. It's called the uh, Young Voices Media Workshop with uh, uh, high school um, students, and we're teaching them to be young reporters. And uh, it's been just a great, fulfilling experience. It always is. Unfortunately, we're doing it this way by Zoom, so we don't really get to know the uh, students all that well, but it's, it's still just a great experience. And despite all that, I was able to fit you in because I wanted to get, I wanted to talk to Steve. So thank you, Steve. Well, and thank you. And just, you know, a shout out to you and to the voices, right? Like, I know there's a certain pedigree and a certain angle. I mean, Royal has shared that with me plenty of times. But boy, is it important. Informed, informed people that even have that, that willingness and ability to, to question, to think, so key. Um, I know you're not doing it for the money. You, know? you really believe in the community. You, you see a need. And the media, including podcasts and online, you know, quite frankly, that's the future. So uh, th thanks for the time, Joe. And to anybody listening or watching, one more reminder, you can call me. You can email me. Uh, my cell phone number is 831-970-4141. I'd love to get acquainted. And my email is steve at mcshaneslandscape.com. Uh, I'm pretty much working seven days a week. So uh, my landscape is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, th thanks, Joe. Great job right. today. Yeah, thank you, Steve. See you, see you around. Okay. Bye. Hi everyone, it's Noah from AMP. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Vom Squad, a Voices podcast produced in conjunction with Access Media Productions in Monterey County. We want to remind everyone to stay safe and educated. Until next time.